Hello, world, and welcome back to the Morning Geekdom Podcast. As always, I am your host, Anthony Matulin, and today I am joined by Tyler. On today's episode, we'll be discussing one of the greatest films of all time, The Fellowship of the Ring. Legend tells of a ring created by an ancient evil that gave its wearer the power to enslave the world. Believed lost for centuries. It has now been found. Is it secret? Is it safe? This is the One Ring, forged by the Dark Lord Sauron. Sauron needs only this ring to cover all the lands of a second darkness. He's seeking it, seeking it all. His thought is bent on it. No one knows it's here, do they? Do they, Gandalf? The weapon of the enemy is a gift. Let us use it against him. You cannot wield it. None of us can. The ring must be destroyed. It was made in the fires of Mount Doom. Only there can it be unmade. I know what I must do, but I'm afraid to do it. One does not simply walk into Mordor. There is no other way. There's something down there. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm good. I'm good. How was your new year? It was a pretty good new year. We got snow in Tucson two days in a row, which was a first time ever deal. So it was uh, pretty great. And for people who don't know where Tucson is, where's Tucson? Where's Tucson? People don't know where Tucson is. They should just (laughs) turn this off right now. Uh, Tucson, Arizona in the desert southwest of the United States of America. Is that specific enough? Yeah, a little geography lesson. I think people okay. tune people tune in for, for a little geography. I agree. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. so snow in the desert, it's a big deal. But uh, the bad thing is it snows in Tucson where it never snows. Once it does, though, you play in the snow for four minutes and then your hands are frozen, you come inside, and then it's uh, it's not fun anymore. So zero infrastructure for snow, like zero gear, zero oh, yeah, driving. No. Did you drive around in it? My wife took the kids to the library the second day it snowed and after she left, I was texting her like, that was a terrible idea. Are you safe? Have you died? <laughs> um, so, mean, yeah, but it... I mean, we have no gloves, no snow gloves. I mean, it was warm enough uh, to, you know, our normal jackets kept us warm enough. But if you don't have snow gloves, you're screwed. So we play in the snow for five minutes and then you come inside. Can't you just put on like uh, like socks with like a plastic bag over it or something? I don't know. You could do that if you were a weird human being. Um <laughs> I'm just, I'm just spitballing here, man. I'm trying to, I'm trying to solve problems. Yeah, I mean, 
Good luck. <laughs> so That's, how yeah. much snow did you get? Uh, it seemed like a blizzard, but it was probably two inches or, or one inch. I mean, what had accumulated in our backyard might have been an inch, but I don't know how to measure these things. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was not, pretty cool. You're not a meteorologist. I'm not. How, how did, uh, so I mean, the, is this the first time the kids have seen snow? Uh, no, for Joni, yes. Uh, she's one and a half, but <clears throat> it snowed also uh, in 2015. New Year's Day 2015, it also snowed. So uh, it's becoming a little tradition here, snowing on New Year's Day. Um, so Indy and we went up to Flagstaff of, uh, right around that time when he was younger and played in like real snow, like actual in a snowy land, snow so, land. So, so what I'm hearing is that it snowed twice in this kid's lifetime and you're a bad parent and didn't get gloves. Like, you gotta yeah. be ready, man. Man, listen, if you have little kids, you buy them something one day and the next week it doesn't fit. I'm not going to spend like 40 bucks on a pair of snow gloves that he'll use maybe once. And then the next time it snows, do the same thing. <laughs> Amazon, on. dude. They're not going to be 40 bucks on Amazon. Can't you mm. call up Amazon and be like, look, I got snow. I need snow gloves now. And they're just going to like show up with one of their drones and drop off some snow, glo- snow that gloves. That could that could happen. And then if you want Amazon to take over the world, then you can contribute to that monster. But I'm not. I mean, look, every now and again, I got to buy something on Amazon. I'm yeah, not, a, I'm not, I need instant gratification. So I like going out and buying things, mm-hmm. but every now and again, you know, there's something like obscure that I need that I'm like, Oh, here's fucking snow, you know, snow gloves for my dog. <laughs> yeah. and, and, uh, here they are. Let me buy them from Amazon. And then they suck. And I end up taking them back. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> this is a true story. We bought snow, snow gloves. Uh-huh. I don't know what you call them. Shoes, snow shoes, snow I guess. Shoes. Yep. I mean, they're his feet, feet. Yep feet and, uh, and, and paws. Okay. They could be gloves or shoes. Anyways, we needed some, we're going to bend Oregon next uh, week. Really? really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. We're going to a, a place called Brasada ranch. Yeah. I've been there. I stayed there. You stayed at Brasada ranch. I have. I thought, I mean, how, how have we not talked about this? We're supposed to be friends. We don't talk. No. Um, yeah, we're going, well, this, it'll be next week from when we're recording the podcast, yeah. but uh-huh. you know, I don't know when we're going to actually post this one. Anyways, yeah, Brasada Ranch, taking Harry, meeting some friends from Seattle, spending like the week there. Going to go to like Smith Rock or whatever it's called. It's called Smith Rock? Smith the, Rock, yep. Yeah. How is it? It's cool? Brasada Ranch is a really cool place. Um, yeah. I went for uh, a work retreat for a few days and uh, it was really a great, you know, it was, it was uh, late summer. So Oregon in summer is flawless. Right. It can't be, can't be beat basically, except if you live in Southern California. Um <laughs> But there's a lot to do. Uh, a lot of it was work related, so I didn't have time to to uh, do some of the spa related things. Or they've got tennis courts. There's a lot to do there. So if you're going with, um, you know, other adults who don't yeah. have to do work things, it, it should be great. So yeah, I think we're we're just meeting a couple, uh, some of our our friends from Seattle that are going to meet us there, and then we're going to bring Harry because everything's supposed to be dog friendly. Yeah. Um, and hopefully there's some snow and I think we're going to try to do like some snowshoeing and some, some random shit, but I really don't know what to expect, but it just looks fun. So, well, Google it, buddy. <laughs> Take a sneak peek at what it's, what it's like. There's a lot to do. Yeah. It's All a golf right. course. I'm sure you're terrible at golf, but you could try your hand at golf. Well, I mean, it's middle of winter. I don't imagine the golf course is going to be jumping, <laughs> popping, <True>. popping. <laughs> hey man, that's your journey. Figure it out. Yeah. Thanks buddy. Mm-hmm. You want to get into this? I do. Lord of the Rings shit. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, before we, okay. So before I, I, before we get into the synopsis and the categories and the rotten tomatoes, this is your second favorite movie of all time. 
Uh, no, it's the second best movie I've ever seen. Second best movie. And you're able to differentiate between, uh, what you enjoy, say your favorite movie of all time and what you think is the actual best movie of all time. Correct. Okay. So Shawshank is both of those for you. Yes. I think so. Yeah. Um, Good Will Hunting might be my favorite movie. I think, uh, I enjoy Shawshank more than I enjoy this movie. Hmm. I don't know why it's kind of, it's in my own brain. It makes sense. I'm not, I can't explain to other people who. No, I, I get smart. that. I get that. But yeah, th- this is this is the second best movie I've ever seen, and I think the most enjoyable movie going experience of my life. Um, and we can talk about that later. But uh, I, I I love this movie on every level. So, so you love this movie more than Happy Gilmore? Barely. Okay. Barely. Okay. Well, I was see, I was going to get into this. Hey, why do you? Why is this your second favorite movie of all time? And and whatever. But you just kind of shot down that whole. Well, I can tell you it's my favorite movie going experience. If you want to still go down that road. Yeah, let's do that. that. Yeah. Why is that? It was, I I mentioned, um, I think I mentioned in the Shawshank podcast that uh, when they reveal, when they, when Warden Norton tears down the movie poster, it, um, you know, to me, that's the greatest moment in in movie, uh, in movie history, in cinema history. Um, And I was just so engrossed in the movie. It was like, there was no outside world. It was just the movie. And that moment in Shawshank made me realize that, but the entire movie, the, the all of fellowship of the ring, I was just, I remember being in the theater and um, it was actually the, re- the way I realized it was at the, when the credits started rolling, I had totally forgotten. I was watching the movie. I had, I had no awareness of anybody around me, anybody moving up and down the aisles or leaving to pee or anything, nothing like that. It was just, it was just pure blackness around me and the movie screen. And the story, I had never read these books. I still haven't. I knew very little about the storyline. I'd heard of Frodo. Um, that's all I knew. I knew nothing else. So it was just the greatest introduction to the story. And the movie is so well done. The story is so, so great that uh, I was just completely, more than any other movie I've ever seen, um, just engrossed. And, uh, and, once the credits rolled, I remember just being so upset. I wanted to keep watching the rest of it. You know, I knew, I knew there were two more movies coming. I swear to God, I would have watched all nine hours of it right there without moving. Um, it was just the best, you know, there, there's so many great things about this movie from the, you know, the, uh, performances to the cinematography, to the score soundtrack, every bit of it. So, um, it was, it was just the best movie going experience ever for me. And, it is it is one of my favorite movies, and I think just about the best movie I've ever seen. Interesting. So you have never read, you've still never read this book or these books, I guess you can say. No, and I mean to. You know, I I, I sort of plan to. Um, I don't own them yet, but um, it's a it's they're they're a difficult read um, because he yeah. he goes into such detail about the world and, and about the characters. I mean, Tolkien spends like a page talking about this, the color and the, the, the depth and the smell of the grass. You know what I'm saying? There's, yeah, it's, it's a lot of that stuff. There's a lot of singing. Um, there's a lot of stuff that lends itself well to, to obviously the books, but there's a lot mm-hmm. of stuff also that you could see why they would need to cut them out for yeah. the movies. So in this, uh, in this podcast, I don't really want to compare you know, source mm-hmm. material to the, to the actual movie. Cause I think we'll just do a, a disservice to everybody because nothing's ever going to be perfect. You're not going to be happy one way or another, but I think this is one of the closest, closest adaptations from a book 
to to film, especially when it's something that's this rich. Mm-hmm. Like it's just he he describes everything in the book. Yeah. So I think that Peter Jackson did a hell of a job bringing everything he could in, um, with the exception of one thing that that really bothers me. But it's it's at the very end of the series, so it's at the very end of, of Return of the King. So we won't get mm-hmm. into it here. Okay. Uh, but that's that's one of the reasons that I I really don't like Return of the King as as a mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is my favorite of the series by far. It's not yeah. even close. I think Fellowship of the Ring far surpasses um, Two Towers and is is just a greatly just just a better movie than Return of the King. Where I think Two Towers is close to this, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that I, I again this is far and away my favorite of the series. Um, Why is that? Why? Um, I think that it's it's my favorite for for a handful of reasons, but it's the most story. They, they give mm-hmm. the most character development. It's the most dialogue heavy. It's the least amount of fighting. It's more just about the characters and their journey and these great, beautiful like shots mm-hmm. and these panning shots of them just like walking or like, you know, going down a river. And it's just the, the, the like you said, the cinematography in this movie is beautiful. The score is one of the, I think the most underrated sc- mm-hmm. uh, scores by, by Howard Shore. It's just, it's beautiful. And it really is just, focused on Frodo and his relationship with his other hobbits and Gandalf yeah. and, and Aragon. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, I don't know. It's just the, it's the most character driven story of the three, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's uh, by far. And I watched, I almost did what I wanted to do in the first movie going experience, watch all three back to like literally back to back to back. So I, I rewatched fellowship uh, last week and then immediately went into two towers and nearly finished that before bedtime, sleepy time. <laughs> sleepy um, time. But uh, yes, and but it was interesting to compare the two. I, I, I like Two Towers. I think it's very good. I think Return of the King is also very good. I know we're not going to compare yeah. um, and get into, uh, go in depth about the other two, but um, you, t- you mentioned that this is just more story focused and not about fighting. And that's... I knew, you know, when I, when I watched those other two, the first times I, I realized that part of what I didn't like so much was just the heavy emphasis on the battle scenes, um, which are great, but you see it's, it's in every, every major movie almost seems to have like a 30 minute battle scene and it's just, I'm done with it. It was great in Braveheart. It's, it's great. <laughs> you know, it, there's, it's just in everything now. So, yeah, and, um, and the battle scenes and, you know, we'll get, we'll get into it when I, when we go through the most watchable scene, mm-hmm. uh, the battle scenes in this movie are great for as short as they are, mm-hmm. but still yeah. like the scale that they are, if that makes sense, because yeah. it's all people fighting people. There's no special effects for the most part. Yeah. And I think it's funny that this is my favorite when I think the best performance of the whole trilogy is Andy Serkis as Gollum. Oh yeah. Um, and he's not in this movie. Yeah. I mean that you see, a little bit of Gollum, but there's no performance. I mean, you just see him, you hear him talk a little bit, yeah. but you don't, you know, the first time you see Gollum in two towers, I was blown away by how good it looked. And this mm-hmm. was, you know, early two thousands. Yeah. Um, but I think he's, he gives the best performance, you know, over Ian McKellen over, you know, uh, uh Viggo Mortensen. I think mm-hmm. that he gives the best performance of the whole movie and he's not in this. And it's, yeah. I just think that's funny that this ends up being my favorite of the series. Yeah, I had almost forgotten how little Gollum is in it in this one in Fellowship, um, because I had the thought. You know, I knew the, I know what the category is going to be going into the movie, so I'm have you know, my notes ready. I'm going to type up some notes while I'm watching, and I put immediately Gollum, you know, uh, Andy Serkis, best performance. And then as it 
you know, as I see him the first time, I'm like, oh yeah, well, well, you don't see him until like two thirds of the way through. Yeah. Um, I was like, oh shit, yeah, he's not even in this. You know, you hear his voice. That's what's so compelling about Gollum and Andy Serkis. You hear him screaming uh, Shire Baggins earlier on in the movie. And I remember it, when I first watched it, just being like, what the fuck is that? That's creepy. That's haunting. Um, so finally being able to get to see Gollum uh, in depth in, in Two Towers just kind of blew me away. I know we're getting off track with Two Towers. Um, but uh, I would yeah. liken that almost to the first time I saw like the T-Rex in Jurassic mm-hmm. Park. Oh, yeah. Because you see Gollum, you see him at the very beginning when they're when they're when Kate uh, Blanchett is doing the that's narration right. of, mm-hmm. of everything that's happening. You see him for a split second um, right. losing the ring, right? Yep. And then you see him again being tortured, like you're me- mentioning. You see mm-hmm. him again in uh, the Mines of Moria, yep. where you see like his eyes, mm-hmm. and then you see kind of his arm floating down the river, holding the the log, right? Right. So you only see him four times, but you never actually see Gollum. And as someone who read the books, like that was one of the things I was most excited about was mm. gonna, was the manifestation, like seeing what they made him look like in this movie yeah. or just in the series. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was a little disappointed that you never really saw him, but right. hey, easy on the phone over there, buddy. My bad. <laughs> it's my brother fucking, trying to FaceTime me. Like an amateur hour. Um, yeah. But yeah, I was. Uh, that was one of the things I was most most excited about and didn't get a payoff. That's all right, because it pays off you know tenfold in the following two i was gonna say but, it pays off like 10 minutes into yeah <laughs> into uh two towers you just mm-hmm. all of a sudden fucking golems there and you're like wait who is that again <laughs> <laughs> and he's just there's no like introduction to him he doesn't he just like jump off a fucking wall and try to murder them <laughs> basically yeah <laughs> yeah yeah uh and he i just love that he calls sam fat the whole movie uh, the fat stupid, one stupid fat hobbit yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, so let's get in. Let's get into it a little bit. Um, okay. So ninety one percent and ninety five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So ninety one percent from the critics, ninety five percent from the the audience. Which which do you uh, fall in line with? I mean, both of them are stupid. How is it? I mean, to me, I I, I see no. You might not think this movie is perfect. It might not think it's the best movie of all time. But Rotten Tomatoes is you like it or you don't. It's a red tomato or a green tomato. How the hell can you think this movie just isn't good? So Green Tomatoes, you think this is a bad movie? Well, what the fuck is wrong with people? I think. Well, I think that I can. I can. I don't know about the critics, but I would say that you know the society we live in, people are, are just going to shit on things that other, everybody else likes, right? For no reason. True. That's just how True. it is. And then I would also think that people who are are Tolkien purists are going to find things wrong with this. So they yeah. might just be like, "Hey, I don't like it." just for the sake of not liking it. Critics, I don't know. I would have to go through and look. 91 seems really low for this. Yeah. yeah. Um, when you consider, you know, again, a movie we just recently talked about, Damien and I, uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which I mm-hmm. absolutely loved. Yeah. I mean, that's that was, I think, 97%. Now, if you're going to look at what's a better film, <laughs> I mean, it's they're both good, and I enjoy them both considerably, but Fellowship of the Ring is a better film. There's right. yeah, a lot more moving parts to it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how this movie only gets 91%, but still good. I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, people are stupid. That's what that boils down to. That's true. What I like, what what is more uh, realistic to me, I think more indicative of it, the movie's quality is uh, the top 250 on, on, uh, on IMDb. Right. It used to be, I'm pretty sure this used to be in the top five at some point. It's number 11 right now behind return of the king and just above two towers so 
all three of these movies are in IMDb's uh, top 15 of all time. Um, so yeah, I mean, Rotten Tomatoes people, stupid. But again, IMDb is all based on standard human scoring also. Yeah. And I have a lot of problems with IMDb scoring in general. Uh, yeah. just, but and, anyway. And again, uh, Rotten Tomatoes is not, for me, not the end-all be-all. There's plenty of things that I've seen that I really like that they gave shitty scores to and vice versa. It's just something that I'm able to give, you know, a baseline for, hey, do you subscribe to this as well mm-hmm. you know yeah yeah all right so i this- mean they're, they're in the ballpark i mean 90 you can't really say 91 percent is a bad score i just no, uh, 91 percent is a great score but when you consider yeah. other movies that they've given a very high score to yeah uh then it starts to you start to put things into perspective and you're like well how does this movie have the same you know percentage as another movie when mm-hmm. one movie you really enjoy and the other movie you hate right um i just find it interesting yeah all right the synopsis a meek hobbit from the Shire and eight ca- uh, companions set out for a journey to destroy the powerful One Ring and save Middle Earth from the Dark Lord Sauron. It's pretty, yeah. pretty right on. Yep. For a two-line synopsis, yeah, yeah. that sums it up well. Yeah, I always find it interesting that the two, the two main villains or the perceived two main villains are Saruman and Sauron. I'm like, yeah. you guys could have picked some fucking names that are a little bit different. <laughs> I know. I, I had trouble with that while watching the movie the first time. I thought, wait, who the fuck? Wait, which one is which? And yeah. what? what? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's Saruman. Saruman. Saruman yeah. is Christopher Lee. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Saruman is the giant eye. No, 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 no. Sauron is the giant eye. Saruman. But you said Saruman, which is uh, that, the way nobody in history has ever yeah, pronounced well, that's that. What name. I just did. Because I have like <laughs> dyslexia of words. Okay. <laughs> As opposed to dyslexia of food uh, or what? Uh, I don't dyslexia know. Dyslexia of, of spoken words. Spoken words. Okay. Or pronunciation. How about that? Pronunciation. Yeah, this is a new science that you're. Uh, okay, good. <laughs> I mean, this isn't going to come as a surprise to anybody who's listening to this podcast. I can't use words, yet I want to talk on a podcast. (laughs) Too bad, man. Man, look, I I push to you guys. You guys are the people that that people want to hear. I'm just some schmuck trying to to guide it in the right direction. Accurate. Accurate. Um, Before we get further in, like, who do you think the actual villain is of this movie? And I don't want to talk about the whole series because that starts to add in a bunch of other people, but like... Who do you think the actual villain is of this movie? Because I have a very interesting thought on who I think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, who do you think it is? Uh, I so, I mean, Sauron is the one who drives it all. You know, he created this One Ring to rule them all. Uh, his evil is what is threatening to destroy Middle Earth. But he's in such a strange form. He's this eye who can't. Who has everybody else doing his bidding. Right. So there's and there's power behind that, obviously, but he's faceless it's um to me he he doesn't quite qualify uh i think that christopher lee as saruman or saruman is uh the most evil um vindictive and just shit-faced right the way the way that he uh you know he betrays gandalf and and um buys into the whole sauron uh power you know or you know who embraces that um so it might be him, but to me, the, the villains who had the most visceral impact and, and throughout the movie uh, torment the other, you know, the fellowship members the most are the, the ring wraiths. The Nazgul. Um, the Na- yeah, yeah. And they're, uh, man, they're just intense. And uh, I just remember, and still, you know, watching it last, last week, they're just so good. The way that, they, you know, they're, 
you don't see any face except when he puts on the ring you see their like ghostly uh, skeleton bodies um well that's their that's their true form right you see them as their king as they were when they were humans yeah exactly yeah but when they're riding the the horses and um it's just creepy as hell and i think that they're you know they they you know they stab frodo they um are chasing them throughout and it's just constant villain behind you you know following your footsteps throughout middle earth uh to me i i I give them the nod as the best villain of the movie um at least the ones having the most impact what what's your unique thought on this i think that they are by far they the way that they make they portray them they make them look um the sound effects they use like the Mm -hmm. screeching noise they make Yeah, yeah It's great. So I think like visually them and the Urukai, I think look really good as well. Yeah. Um, but I think the, the villain of this movie and the series is Bilbo. Um, because mm. he is now I'm not, I'm not taking the Hobbit into consideration. Right. So I'm okay. just, I'm just looking at the, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. It all happens because of him. Yeah. Um, you could even say that obviously like men are the, are the overall villain because right at the beginning they can, they can end it all by just throwing the, the ring into, into Mount doom um, and destroying it. And they don't. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think Bilbo is selfish. Um, What he does to Frodo is like unforgivable by, by instead of him taking on this, this journey when he is younger to do, he, he kind of gives it, he just abandons Frodo and like, here's your ring. Like, see you later good yeah. luck yeah and then he goes out to live his you know the re- remainder of his days uh with uh with the with the elves mm-hmm. um so i think that he is to me he's the most dislikable character in the movie and interesting he creates like a, a pretty strong reaction to me when i watch it and i'm just angry with him hmm. because he's he, frodo is like the epitome of goodness right of the movie right. that's how he starts he's got like a childlike mm-hmm. just uh he just wants to to learn and he wants adventure and, and he just like wants to be with his friends and, and live this life. But Bilbo is so selfish. He wants to leave and get away from everybody. And he just leaves this immense responsibility to Frodo and, and at no point even helps him. And then when you do see him again, you know, in, in about the middle of the movie, mm-hmm. you think they're going to have this great reunion and he turns fucking evil for a second <laughs> and tries to essentially like rip the dude's heart out and take the ring back. Yeah. So I just, and I know he's been twisted by the ring. I get that. But I think that he's, he's by far, everything happens because of him. That's true. And that's a good, uh, that's a nice little spin on, on him and his, his impact on the movie and on the series. Um, I see all that. Yeah. Uh, he, he's, I thought maybe the most selfish part is when he's at the boot at his birthday party and he puts the ring on and vanishes and literally leaves without saying goodbye to anybody after Gandalf, even though you know, Gandalf comes and catches up to him. Um, so yeah, that selfishness is there from the start with him. Yeah. And, and, you know, when he does turn into that little goblin for a second, when they're in Rivendell and he tries to take the ring back, he apologizes. He's aware of what he's put on Frodo's shoulders. And he says that, yeah. um, like you said, he's been turned by the ring. It's, it's, uh, he was just a hobbit who found a ring. Um, and so it's not like that's who he intended to be. Right. Um, so I give him a bit of a pass on that, but yeah, I mean, he's the one who, uh, well, he didn't say it at all. Of course it was, uh, what's his face? Who was Aragorn's, uh, ancestor? Sealdor. The Sealdor. Yeah. You know, it's his fault. It's always a man. It's always a man's fault. Yeah. Um, no. 
and, and it's not I'm not saying that he's intentionally you know this is who he's supposed to be but it's just mm. from this movie that's that's the reaction I get I get yeah. from him all right so obviously this is based on J.R.R. J.R.R. Tolkien's uh series mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings um that was I think it was it was published in 1954 but he worked on it for I think almost 10 years before it was published. Mm -hmm. Um, The movies. So obviously this was the first time movies were concurrently filmed at the, at at the same time, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, They started filming in 1997, finished in 1999. And then this particular movie was released in 2001. Mm -hmm. Um, Had a budget of, so they, they figured out, I don't know how they figured this part out or even if this is a hundred percent accurate, but this portion of the, the, the trilogy cost $93 million to make mm. and grossed $871 million. She was, is that current in this lifetime or is that, uh, that this is, yeah, it's, that's the most up-to-date numbers I could wow. find. Yeah. That's, okay. So, I mean, if you were to take in inflation, <laughs> right. Yeah. It's going to be considerably more because this movie's coming up on damn near 20 years, dude, which is yeah. crazy to me that it came that out is. 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, nominated for 13 Academy Awards. For some reason, I didn't remember that this was nominated for that many. I mean, I know Return of the King was nominated for a ton. Yeah. And I thought that that was like the kind of the culmination of the whole trilogy and they were finally giving it love. Right, right. Um, and it won four. It didn't mm. win anything of, of any you know merit, essentially, like none of the big categories. Right. But it did get nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, and um, Supporting Actor. For Ian McKellen. For Ian McKellen. Yep. And then, so obviously it... It has the immediate two uh, sequels, uh, Two mm-hmm. Towers, like we talked about, Return of the King. Also has the Hobbit trilogy, which I fucking hate with a passion. Man. I hate, dude. I I can't watch them. Is it? Do you not like Martin Freeman? I don't. I, it's I don't mind Martin Freeman. Um, they took a three hundred page book and turned it into three three hour movies. Yeah, that's yeah that so that's obviously a money grab. Yeah, the source material is is excellent, but the. The f- the first movie is like a throwaway movie. It nothing happens, and yeah. then and then they're so heavy on the CGI. It's like watching cutscenes from a video game for for three hours. <laughs> I just I couldn't get into it, and I think it's the use of CGI how just egregious it is that really 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 bothers me. Yeah, uh, where this movie essentially has no CGI. I mean, it has some, but for the most part, it's it's all practical, and that's what I really really love about mm-hmm. Fellowship. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've read that Amazon purchased the rights to Lord of the Rings and are now making a TV series for it. Oh dear God. Um, Fucking Amazon. You're, you're precious Amazon. Okay. I mean, all the streaming companies make quality stuff though. So I'm not mad about it. I mean, they spent $250 million on getting the rights. So it's not like they're going to make a, I, I hope like a shitty version of, of it. Right. I guess. Have you watched anything on Amazon? Like any of the yeah, original yeah, programming? Really- yeah, I have, and it's it's good. I just don't. This is what this is what Star Wars happened with Star Wars. Star Wars is being beaten to the ground. Right. I don't enjoy it anymore, and I'd rather not happen to another one of my favorite trilogies of all time. So. Well, it's not like so. I don't think I don't think in large Lord of the Rings has been beaten into the ground at all. It hasn't, and yeah. it should remain. And I'm all for if they do a good quality because again, the source material is so rich. You can make a series out of it, right? Yeah. You could. There's been, you know, there's been rumors or conversation. It's never going to happen, but it, I think it's just people making up their own rumors that uh, one of the streaming stations is eventually going to buy the rights to Harry Potter 
and make mm-hmm. like an ongoing series and essentially put like all the details from the books in. Interesting. I mean, you're talking about like 1200 page books, some of them. Yeah. Um, I don't, I, I, I don't know that I would be super jacked on that, but if they were done right, I'd, I'd be interested. I my, suppose. Here's, yeah. my, here's my problem though. You have, you have Lord of the Rings since Lord of the Rings, you have probably one of the greatest TV shows of all time to come out. Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. which was heavily influenced by yes. Lord of the Rings. Like, George R. R. Martin has said that. Yes. I don't know that whatever they do is going to be better than, than Game of Thrones. True. Yeah. So that's um, my problem. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's a problem. My main problem is that I'm just, I, I like what I like, essentially. I, I love these movies. I think they've been done perfectly. I, like I don't want to see. I like what I like. <laughs> yeah, man. Think about it. Let it, you know, let it sink in. It's, it's it, deep. Let it marinate. Uh-huh. I just, uh, I think it's been done perfectly and I don't think it needs to have anything else. Okay. Um, so that's, that's my main objection. But anyway. I may, I, I, I tend to subscribe to that, that, you know, that Mm -hmm. train of thought. I Mm -hmm. think, uh, I would give it a shot. Like I'd, I'd watch a couple of them and see how it is. It's really going to depend on who they cast too. Yeah. Um, but I'll, I'll give it a shot when we get to, I have a, this is one of the movies that I was able to find quite a bit of like who they almost cast or who they offered the movie to. So I'm really mm-hmm. excited to get to that point with you because some of the names are ridiculous. Okay. And could have just destroyed this movie. Cause by, <laughs> by most, I think almost all of the, the parts are really cast perfectly. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's get into the actual categories, unless you have mm-hmm. anything you want to add to kind of that, you know, just kind of general movie bullshit. No, sir. Let's roll. Okay. Most watchable scene. So, I had a hard time with this category because the whole movie to me kind of flows as like one long scene, which sounds ridiculous. It does. Oh God. I'm so glad you said that. Cause that's like the fifth podcast where you've said the whole movie seems like one scene. <laughs> you don't think, you don't think that happens though? No, man. I mean, this scene, this movie takes place in like five different parts yeah. of a world. Okay. No. <laughs> okay. So what I mean is obviously not the technical part of it, but what I'm saying is when I try to break it up into like what scenes, if I'm like doing something, will I stop and watch? You okay. know what I'm saying? And for me, the whole movie's like that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay. I get what you're saying. Okay. I'm, so, still, just, I'm still glad I was able to laugh at you on the podcast that's about it. Though. That's fine. I mean, it happens. Yeah. For instance, yeah. I think we talked about, I think Damien and I said that for, for Nightmare Before Christmas, right? Uh-huh. It's true. Maybe so. That movie's thirty, or that movie's barely over an hour. There are very distinct scenes yeah. in every movie. So there's a there's a beginning of a scene and there's an end of a scene. Yeah, so I'm not what? talking about the. I'm talking about more of the dissection of. <laughs> never mind. Never. My bad. <laughs> I just My want bad, to punch man. you in your stupid face right now. I, cu- I cut you deep there. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's good. It's all good. Um, <laughs> So for me, breaking it down when I'm uh-huh. watching it, uh-huh. uh, I only have four scenes that to okay. me are like the best parts of the movie. I could have put more, but I wanted to kind of leave some for you if you if there was stuff you, know, you okay. thought of. Uh-huh. Um, so I have where the hobbits initially are chased by the Nazgul's up until the point where they meet Strider. Yeah. Okay. So I think that up until that point, I really enjoy the beginning of this movie quite a bit, especially the extended version, because I like the interactions of the hobbits in Hobbiton. So mm-hmm. I like that stuff, right? Yes. But I think you get into kind of the different part of the movie once the the Nazgul's, the ring wraiths are introduced. 
mm-hmm. you have a lot of great shots where they are framed really nicely with with the the moonlight coming behind them you can see like the uh the breath of the horses coming out like i just think that's this like i said the sound effects everything right and that's really the first time all four hobbits are together right up until the point where they meet strider i think the whole scene where they're in the bar and he's like what is that and he's like it's a pint i didn't know it came in the pints yeah um you know where where he disappears for the first time frodo and then you know you get the great introduction to vigo mortensen as as aragon at that point strider i think it's fantastic yeah it is it's Um, one of the best yeah uh when they get to rivendale I think is awesome. You can lead all, you can, you can say all of the lead up to them getting to Rivendell. Again, this is why I think it's like one big scene. Okay. I understand that they're in different locations, but to me, it just all flows as it's like, it's all yeah. one big area, but it's fine. Okay. <laughs> Rivendell. What's that? My bad. It's fine. Rivendell has the great part. And it's again, one of my favorite parts of the whole movie. When you, when you meet the, the fellowship of the ring, right? You meet all mm-hmm. the different, people that are going to help Frodo get to the point you meet the dwarves, you know, the elves, um, the rest of the humans. I think that's a great, great part. Um, and then you get the minds of Moria, mm-hmm. which is just a, a very creative. I thought they're shooting in very tight locations. Just the, the look of it. The only problem I have with that scene is it has some of the worst effects of the whole movie. Anytime they're running inside of what appears yeah. to be like a digital world, it's awful looking. It is. But They're, yeah. It's the first time you see them all fighting. You see all their different like strengths and attributes. You know, they're they're working together. You see a little bit of the quirks of each character, kind of the humor between Legolas and Gimli, which ends up being like my favorite part of the whole trilogy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you don't really get that in this movie. But you start to see kind of the the dynamic forming, right? Mm-hmm, you do. Um and then obviously to me in that same scene you get the 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 Bell Rock verse Gandalf, which I know mm-hmm. is going to be like your favorite scene. Um, yes. But my favorite scene of the whole movie is kind of the final battle, right? Where, where Boromir tries yeah. to take Frodo, takes the ring. You get that great fight scene between the Urukai and, and the, again, the group. Um, mm-hmm. And then you have, you know, Frodo leaves and Merry and Pippin are taken and Boromir dies. And it's just like an uncertainty when the movie ends. Of like what mm-hmm. the hell's going on? Like what's going to happen? If you haven't read the books, you're like what? Ha- like what's going to happen? Because er- yeah. all these there's all these moving components. Um, so that's all I got, dude. What do you got? I think you picked the best four parts of the movie. Um, I think the where the ring wraiths find them and uh, you know, where they first hide under the tree stump as the ring wraith is on the path, and then uh, you know they they go to Buckleberry Ferry and then to the Prancing Pony. That whole sequence is amazing. Um, and I think probably gets your heart racing, but more than any other part in the movie, that's phenomenal. It's kind of, for me, it's like a three-way tie. There's that, there's the part, I think one of the most powerful moments for me in movie history is when, like you said, when Gandalf, you know, uh, stabs his, his staff into the bridge and makes, I forget that I can never, I never know the dragon's name, the beast's name. Belrock, yeah, where he collapses and then, uh, Gandalf says, "Fly, you fools!" That was just a, uh... and then outside when they're when they finally escaped the mine, and there's just so much emotion on the faces of every of all the hobbits, mainly just completely all blown away that Gandalf is is gone. Um, that's very moving, very powerful. But I think honestly, after watching it again, I think my favorite scene and the best scene is that sequence where Boromir follows Gan- uh, Frodo into the woods. He's collecting firewood as a guise, you know, to 
to take the ring. Um, and then there's a the battle scene. It is the biggest battle scene, but it's still very contained in this movie. It's, it's pretty small, especially compared to others in the series. So it's a very effective, very good battle scene. And there's the, that whole part of uh, when Boromir dies, you know, he saves Merry and Pippin or allows them to at least momentarily escape. Right. Um, that's just so great. There's so much emotion there. So to me, I think that's my favorite scene and maybe the best scene of the whole movie, which I was kind of surprised to come to that conclusion. Yeah, that's the scene. So I think what really lent itself well to this movie at the time was, all right, so 2003, that's just when people are starting to get DVDs, starting to get Mm -hmm. DVD players. You're starting to get nicer TVs, like the home entertainment units are starting to, you know, come up, right? Mm -hmm. And that scene, this movie in general really lends itself well to like watching at home, like having it cranked up, like all the effects, the, the, the sound editing, everything is just works and it's, it's beautiful. And that scene in particular is fantastic. And at, yeah. at 2003, turning it on and just watching, you know, it's pre, this is pre YouTube. So you wanted to watch mm-hmm. something, you just had to throw in like the, the DVD and skip to that part, that point. Right. That scene is was awesome at that point for that. So that has always kind of been my favorite scene of this movie, and to me, the most memorable scene of this movie for whatever yeah. reason. It's phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, you know what I find also just watching it and kind of very 2019 is there are three very um, prominent memes in this movie. Oh yeah, There's I know the, the... Yeah, you shall not pass. Uh, one does not simply, uh-huh. <laughs> and then now the new one that has come out is Frodo where he's like, go ahead, keep your secrets. Like when he asks the question at the beginning to Gandalf. Oh, yeah. (laughs) um, Now people are using that that scene, that as a meme. I just recently started seeing it for like dogs about like, hey, why are you such a good boy? And then it's like (laughs) Frodo with that stupid smile on his face. And it's like, go ahead, keep your secrets. That's good. Yeah. Which I found, I couldn't, I didn't remember that until I started, (laughs) I rewatched it, you know, a couple days ago. That's amazing. That is true. Yeah. Um, but I would agree with you. The fa- final battle, I think, is is the best. Another mm. thing, again, that just works so well is they're not fighting like digital, right? Digital beings like those are dudes dressed in full like Urukai, like yeah. fucking prosthetics and like rubber, mm-hmm. and it just it's so good, dude. It looks so good. And I know one of the Oscars it was nominated for was costume design or whatever the name of that uh, category is <laughs> specifically best makeup. I think it actually yeah. was. Um, yeah, I mean, it, that makes total sense just based on the amount of, amount of time and effort that went into creating all the Urukai and the orcs. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so looking at it, right. Um, they had 18,000 costumes made for this movie. Oh my God. Well, I'm sorry for the overall trilogy. 18,000. Okay. So I don't know how that breaks down, but like every single person essentially has like their own unique costume and then has like multiple versions of, you know, whatever costume they're wearing. It's that's crazy. That's damn. Um, I also, did you, have you ever wondered, and I'm, I'm, you probably haven't, I don't know like how they actually made, cause it looks so good. Like how they did the size difference between the orcs and the Urukai, or just or... between like the, the hobbits and everybody oh. else or the dwarves and everybody else. Uh, I mean, I know this. The, one of the opening scenes where Gandalf is on his little chariot and uh, Frodo's behind him. You can or tell his that Gandalf wagon. What the wagon? Heck? <laughs> it's, a it's a horse-drawn vehicle. It's horse, a chariot, perhaps. Horse-drawn carriage. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, you can tell in that scene he's seated way closer to the camera. Even you know they try to hide that, but in terms of, I, th- I figured they used small people in some of the shots where you can't see their faces. Um, 
Right. But anyway, I, I typically don't watch the behind the scenes stuff. I, I like to pref- remain in fantasy land and think okay. it's all just how it was. Do you want to talk about it or do you not want sure. to? So like I'll... you said, majority of it, they used a force perspective, right? So they would use them where they're, they look like if they're, if you're sitting at eye level, they're sitting next to each other. But if you mm-hmm. change that level, obviously one's sitting considerably further back. Right. Um, but they created a bunch of cool stuff for this movie for that. Like when they do the shots, especially in, um, in Hobbiton, when they're in like Bilbo's house, they do like mm-hmm. a lot of cool shots where the camera spins from like around the table almost. Oh. And they had to figure out how to do that because at that point, if you change the eye level, then you'll see that they're sitting not next to each other. So they had like a crank machine and as they would turn, like the actors would move as well. So as the, as the camera pans, the, they are, the actors are also moving further away from each other or closer to each other. It was, it's super cool. I mean, if you're into that stuff, but this is why the internet sucks, right? I watched all this shit about it and it's all like actual behind the scenes stuff. And then Mm -hmm. you go to the wiki, the wiki page and it's like, Oh, one of the fun facts of this movie is that Ian McKellen and uh, Elijah Wood were never on set together. And I'm like, motherfuckers, I just watched. (laughs) Yeah. I just watched the behind the scenes and it turns out they were, but like, so what do you ever believe on the internet, man? Nothing, man. (laughs) It's a dark place. It is. <laughs> I can't believe anything. No. Another another thing before we get into the next um, category is, did you know that the fucking Beatles wanted to make this into a movie? Oh, my God. And they wanted to star in it. Oh, and my God. Tolkien was like, nope, not, yeah. and not getting the rights. And fucking John Lennon, this is all like on the behind the scenes. This isn't just internet shit. John Lennon yeah. was going to be Gollum. <laughs> oh, my God. Stick to being overrated musicians. Whoa, Beatles. whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Hot take. <laughs> hot take. I'm going to fucking... Coming in hot. Certainly not overrated, but that's for another... You're going to get me fired up right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyways, and they wanted Stanley Kubrick to direct it. Gee whiz. Nothing like shooting for life. the fucking stars, right? I know, yeah. <laughs> All right, anyways, I'm not into a Beatles fucking <laughs> Lord of the Rings movie. At Me all. Neither. Me neither. Um, all right. So we'll go into <laughs> fucking overrated musician. Son of a bitch. Hey, Standout performance. Someone... Okay. Um, I think that there's really only two, but I added a third in because I can see why maybe someone would think that. But it's really, it's Ian McKellen as Gandalf, right? Mm-hmm. Eagle Mortensen as Aragorn. 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 Yeah, I say Aragorn. Again, this is a problem that there's a character in Harry Potter named Aragorn. Uh, yeah. Aragorn. Fuck. See, I can't even think of now. It's a big spider. I can't remember. Um, or Elijah Wood is Frodo. See, Elijah Wood. I mean, I could. Uh, he's great in the movie. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he's like you know killing it every scene. Um, no. Or I think Ian McKellen and and Viggo Mortensen are. Yes. And I. Um, I have a, it's a toss up for me, man. I know Ian well, McKellen got nominated for an Academy Award for it, but I think Viggo Mortensen is fantastic. He is. I think. I think Viggo Mortensen's best work in this series comes later. Um, he's good in this. To me, I, I almost think the the three people I had on here were Ian McKellen, uh, Sean Bean as Boromir, <clears throat> even though he's in a more minor role. So I, I wouldn't give it to him, even though I think he's fantastic. Uh, as you see the conflict that he's dealing with, um, but I'm actually going to go with Ian Holm. See, as Bilbo. But he's not and I I think Ian Holm is great and he's going to be in the later category. Is he in it enough though? I don't know. I mean I think 
I think he gives the best performance. Maybe I mean, it's probably Ian McKellen because he's he's so good and in such a prominent role. Right. But there's so much. Every moment that Ian Holm is on the scene, every time Bilbo's on the on the scene, it's so good. So I'm going with Ian Holm. Okay, I w- I almost wanted to put all four Hobbits because when they're all together, it's it's fantastic to me. True, and they all yeah. have such different personalities, and they're all bringing something different to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I I can understand why you'd say Ian Holm. Um, I think for me it would be Viggo Mortensen, and I think he's asked to do the most. Like he has the most range in this movie. Me and McKellen is great. But he's mm-hmm. not showing a whole lot of emotion. Like he's just kind of quirky. You you know you have those couple scenes where he has to you know act. He, he's mm-hmm. he's enraged or he he has to show like his power. Yeah. And but he's you know using, wit. You know he's like a fucking wizard, so he's using like right, shit right. for that. But for the most part, he's like fun loving kind of grandpa almost. Like he's just the. He's a very specific character, you know, and he does yeah. a great job with it. Where I think Viggo Mortensen is supposed to have. He also has that conflict that Sean Bean has. It might not be yeah. it, but his conflict is, should he be go back to Gondor and be like the, the king that they need, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and he has the whole side story with, with Liv Tyler. Right. Um, but I agree. He has, he is, his performance is better in, in further, further along in the trilogy or asked to do more further along in the trilogy. Mm-hmm. All right. One, uh, one wild card I'm throwing in here is middle earth in New Zealand. Okay. Um, just with that, yeah. I mean, that's those might be my favorite parts of the movie. Is just the, the we already talked about the cinematography, but it's so amazing just looking at that. Uh, all the shots, you know, all the wide angle shots, and um, you've talked about how there's so little CGI, and part of that is because they can rely so much on the scene, on the on the setting. Right. Um, it was just amazing. That has a so I have that written down. Is that one of the reasons I want to, essentially, the only reason I want to visit New Zealand and it's on the bucket list is because of this movie. Yeah, serious. Uh, I'll go with you. All right, so standout performance, New Zealand. I'm fine with that. There you go. All right. Uh, worst, worst performance. This is becoming a trend on the podcast. I'm having a hard time picking anybody, and I mm-hmm. don't think anybody's particularly bad in this movie. I don't care for some of the portrayals of characters in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and one person in particular, and you're going to be like, what the fuck? Uh, and I'll talk about it in the next category. Okay. But yeah, I don't really have anybody that I think is really bad. Um, yeah, I don't think anybody gives a bad performance, but one thing that has always bothered me about this movie is just how incapable Frodo is in certain moments, just as a normal human being or a hobbit. Right. Um, so he's this brave and selfless the bravest of all and he's so selfless and he's the one who who makes this all possible but the way they portray him uh is just laughable in certain moments like when he's they're on the uh i don't know the name of the mountain but it's where the ring wraiths come and they uh they stab him yeah uh they so first the, the other three hobbits stand in front of him to protect him and they cast them aside very quickly and frodo's there he's got his sword and then he just trips over literally a puddle of water he falls backward <laughs> and then they'd stab him and so uh that was just come on he's just, he's he's got to put up more of a fight there i mean and then there there's well there's one more there's it's when they're um they're taking the pass of caradras or however you say it, the snowy mountain right and they're all hiking up a ridge <laughs> he just falls backward he just tumbles backward it's like what the fuck man come on He's so brave. He's he's the one you're rooting for above all else. 
and he can't walk. He can't stay on his own two big ass hobbit feet. Well, and I don't like that. To be fair, I mean, he has this this thing on his neck that is essentially changing him and turned a fucking person into like whatever Gollum is supposed to be, right? So I mean, yeah. there's, there are supposed to be things that I, I agree I, that maybe how he the character is written isn't the best. I don't think that's that's not Elijah Wood's fault. Yeah. Um. See, I don't. I don't get I don't I don't have the same feeling you have where he's helpless. I mean, he's a hobbit. He has a particular set of skills like Liam Neeson in Taken, but <laughs> completely opposite. Like he's not supposed sure. to be good at that shit. Uh, walking? <laughs> Apparently not. Bro, you see the size of his feet? Uh, that should help him. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, it's not a bad performance by him, but it makes me cringe looking at him sometimes where he's he's they just make him out to be 100% helpless and incompetent. And it's only two moments, but they stand out to me. But anyway. I get you. Uh, I got you. <laughs> All right. Uh, I, okay, so you mentioned, real quick, though, in the, in the standout performance, right? You mentioned um, Sean Bean as, mm-hmm. as Boromir. And, you know, you, you had asked me uh, earlier, uh, who, what's a better performance by him, right? Or almost yeah. like, who do you identify him with? Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously, Boromir or Ned Stark. Mm-hmm. Up until Game of Thrones, every time I saw Sean Bean, whether it be like uh, National Treasure or any mm-hmm. any number of shitty movies he's been in, yeah. um, he was always, oh, that's the guy from Lord of the Rings. That's Boromir from Lord of the Rings. Right. Now Sean Bean is Sean Bean. Oh, it's the guy. And I obviously know his name now, um, but uh, it's oh, now it's Sean Bean is one of two things. It's Ned Stark. Or he's uh, the guy who stopped a fight and got stabbed at a nightclub and then went back and had drinks with people. That's a true what? story. Google it. No uh, way. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? So that now he's Ned Stark. He's not Boromir. Yeah. And I don't think for the, the the general public, he's Boromir. He's Ned Stark. Um, now, what's a better performance? It's hard to say, man. He's given a lot more time, a lot more screen time, a lot more development in Game of Thrones than he is in this rewatching this after I've watched, cause I mean, I haven't probably rewatched this movie start to finish in a couple years. You know, you mm-hmm. catch it every now and again, I'll watch parts of it. Um, he's pretty, pretty complex of a character in this movie, which I was yeah. surprised with. Cause he's maybe on screen, maybe 20 minutes. If that, I don't even think that long. True. Um, but I would still think I, th- I think the better performance is game of Thrones because of what he's asked to do for, you know, seven, seven episodes. F- FYI, yeah. people, he dies in episode seven. <laughs> That's what I was so disappointed about in that season where they killed him. I was like, he's the best. I mean, there are other great actors and characters in that series, obviously, but yeah. he's the one I knew going into this series. So but, dude, I was really disappointed. Think but about anyway. the balls that takes to kill off. I, I understand the source material. Again, take the source material out. He's on every promotional fo- uh, yeah. poster, photo, everything is Sean Bean, right? They kill that motherfucker like seven episodes into the, the show, not even on a finale. Right. <laughs> like that takes balls, dude. Yeah. There's so many shows that that didn't do that. And then you start to not care about characters lost being one of right. them, which I love. But like you just start to have too many characters. Someone needs to die eventually or be off the show. And that Game of Thrones has no issues doing that. Yeah. And I think this movie, even though they bring Gandalf back, this movie is is really unique in that way where you have the fellowship and it's called the fellowship of the ring and you think okay this is the nine the group of nine that will lead them to mount doom and of course some are going to die like four of them are gone in the first 
you know, two hours of the series where they, I mean, they capture Merry and Pippin, Gandalf dies, uh, Boromir dies. So half of it almost is in peril, if not dead. Um, and so I think that, not that it necessarily took the same amount of balls as Game of Thrones uh, has, you know, has shown, but um, it was interesting to me watching it again this last week. It was uh, like, damn, man, the fellowship didn't really last long. That's like, well, one scene, basically, if you're going by Anthony's scene count. It's like a half a scene. Half a scene. It's yeah. a third. It's a third because it's three uh-huh. movies. <clears throat> sure. All right. uh, the Jamie Foxx Award for overacting. I have one person in particular, and it, every time I've watched it, it really doesn't bother me. And I understand like why he was cast in this movie, and there's a lot of history with it. But Christopher Lee is Saruman. Mm-hmm. Saruman, however you want to pronounce it. Saruman. Sure. Uh-huh. Um, I think it's too much, dude. <laughs> dude yeah. Is, is there ever was there ever a time you watched this movie and you were like, oh, he's he's not evil? Like, no. There's no, there's no nuance in the there's no nuance <laughs> in the performance. There's nothing. Like it could have been such a cool character for that big reveal for him to be yeah. like, you know, that that short he's in one scene and then the second scene they reveal that he's evil, right? And yeah. they could have been so good. But right when you see him, whether it's how they dressed him, what he looks like, Christopher Lee, God rest his soul, just looks like an evil ass dude. <laughs> they could have done so much more with that character. And I understand that he was like a massive Tolkien fan. Apparently he read this read the book multiple multiple times a year for his whole mm. life. Wow. Um and they essentially cast him because he was such a fan of it. Um, and he's a, he's, I mean, he's a fine actor. I know that some people would say like, whatever. Uh-huh. Uh, I just don't, I don't dig him in, in this performance. And I think it's just cause there's no nuance. Like, you know, he's the bad guy right off the bat. Yeah. I don't think I knew it immediately. Um, as, uh, but you're right. It was, I can see some moments of overacting, like where he's screaming, to war uh toward the end it's like all right man just tone it down a little bit just a little bit you get it and it, I, I think it's is it i can't remember if it's uh two towers or it's uh return of the king i think it's two towers right before he sends his army to uh to a uh, rohan mm-hmm. and he's got uh what's his name worm tongue yeah and he's he's giving the big booming speech right right and it's it's cool it's like a really cool scene but the, the part that always sticks with me, and I still think it's like one of the best parts of the whole movie, is Wormtongue in the back is it has just one tear like rolling down his yeah. face because he's so moved by this. And I think that is like what I need. I need a little more nuance. I need a little more mm-hmm. subtlety. Not, you know, I got fucking six inch long fingernails. Yeah. <laughs> I'm clearly the villain. <laughs> like I, <laughs> I, I, I just can't. I can't. That's true. That's a that's a good nomination. I concur. All right. You got anybody else? You could probably say you could say a little bit of Elijah Wood. That's where, yeah. I mean, that's okay. and I kind of touched on it. You know, just the it's a puddle of water, buddy. You don't trip over it. <laughs> maybe you uh, do. But, man. Okay, maybe you do. <laughs> don't you've seen it in like football? I know you're not a big football fan, but they call it the turf monster where someone's running and they they just trip over nothing. Yeah, they're running you know as fast as they can, trying to evade people. He's stepping backward. It's true. Yeah, you got big on, feet, man. man. Yeah, big yeah. feet are a benefit. <laughs> just, just yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. So you, What's next? you have anybody else for that, or would you just say Elijah Wood? Well, I, I think Christopher Lee's the the award winner. Okay. All right. Uh, so then we have a <laughs> who did the most with the least. It's a pretty for me. It's a pretty heavy category. Yeah. So there's a lot of people who 
maybe going through the trilogy will have a much bigger part, but pretty, I think, smaller in the in the first movie mm-hmm. than I remember. Yeah. Um, so you have Kate Blanchett as a how do you pronounce is it Gladriel? Gladriel. Okay. I find it odd that Kate Blanchett was cast in this movie because now she's arguably the best actress, like best actress we have in Hollywood. Yeah. For sure. The one who's probably been with the exception of like Meryl Streep, the the current actress who's been nominated for the most Academy Awards and is constantly good and everything. And she's really cast in this very small role. I think though, I mean, she had already been nominated for an Oscar with, for Elizabeth by this point. Right. I, I, well, she won for that. Correct. She did. Okay. Yeah. But I don't remember when that was. That was 98. Um, okay. So yeah. So they started filming yeah, this in 99 yeah. mm-hmm. and she, and we'll, after this, I want to kind of talk to you about the casting, like who could have been in it. Cause okay. she got this after somebody else dropped out. And when I tell yeah. you who they originally cast, you're going to be like, it's an interesting swing. Like it's, <laughs> I think you'll think that. Cause I was like, what the fuck? Um, I, <laughs> so you have, you have, let's just go through real quick. So you have, is it, is it I, I'm going to make a guess. Is it Julia Stiles? <laughs> just kidding <laughs> definitely not julia styles okay go ahead fucking guy um so you have orlando bloom as legolas uh-huh. uh you have john uh john reese davies as gimli mm-hmm. i put ian in a home in this category again because he's just not in it as much true and then randomly okay a gentleman named lawrence uh McElroy as as lertz who's the main urukai Oh yeah, because I think he is fantastic in what he has, yeah. has to do. You know, he has he has he has one line of dialogue, <laughs> and I don't even uh, obviously it's probably not him. And I think right. he's screaming like get the get the the what do they call them Littletons or what do they call yeah. them? halflings the halflings yeah yeah. Um, but he's he's so good, so yeah. good. I think as, as that the way his character looks, obviously that's not part of it, but mm. everything you know the way he stands, it, it's just it's perfect for me for like someone who's just obviously in makeup. Yeah. Um, but for me, this would be, it would be Ian Holm for me. Yeah. Um, I would have to agree. I mean, I already talked about why I think he has the best performance. Um, and again, you know, he has such little time on screen, so I would concur. Okay. All right. So let's go real quick into, uh, into who could have been cast in this movie. Right. So right. Frodo, Elijah Wood was picked out of 150 actors that that auditioned, including Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, hmm. I, don't, I don't see Jake Gyllenhaal being, he's too like kind of good looking and like all American guy to be in this, yeah. especially yeah. as Frodo. Gandalf. <laughs> Sean Connery was offered this part. Mm. How would you Thank have God. felt about Sean Connery being fucking Gandalf the Grey? Supposed to be understated with Sean Connery's never been understated in anything in his life. Yeah, that's strange. I mean, I get the... I kind of get it in terms of being a casting director. You want somebody who's very well known and likable, but (laughs) wrong, wrong, wrong answer. Really bad, right? Yeah. He was offered the movie. He said no, because he hadn't read the books. And and then when he read the script, he's like, it just, I don't understand it. Right. They offered him 15% of the gross. Oh my God. Box office. He would have been paid $450 million, which would have been oh. the most revenue anybody or most, uh, the largest paycheck any actor would have ever gotten. $450 million. He's not smart. <laughs> well, no one's going to accuse Sean Connery. I love, you know, I love Indiana Jones's dad, but no one's yeah. going to, no one's going to accuse Sean Connery of being smart. I think he's yeah, one of the most overrated actors ever. I mean, as, 
as Henry Jones, he's pretty phenomenal. So I don't yeah. know. Yeah, that's it. But I mean, that's enough. Anyway, the movie wouldn't have performed. It wouldn't have done as well at the box office, I'm sure, if he were Gandalf. So no, his his cut wouldn't have been as high as large as this, this movie sucks. If he's Gandalf, dude, <laughs> <laughs> probably. Um, so the other person they offered was Patrick Stewart, which uh, for some reason Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart are interchangeable and in everything. Apparently, yeah, right, and right. I'm fine with Patrick Stewart, but he again doesn't have the same qualities as as Ian McKellen in this movie. Yeah. Okay, so Aragorn. This is my most interesting, right? So you have Daniel Day-Lewis, who they offered it to like six times, mm. okay? So originally, you know, this movie was cast with with somebody else. So it was cast with a, a guy named um, Stuart Townsend. Oh, okay. He was a young actor at that time. They started filming with him, and then Peter Jackson realized, like, he's just too young for, for Aragorn, right? So they, okay. they recast it. So they originally wanted Daniel Day-Lewis to do it. So after they recast it, they tried to get him again, didn't want to do it. Mm. Nicholas Cage was offered. Are you fucking oh kidding me? What is with the? I mean, at that time he wasn't the the kind of joke that he is now. He Nicholas Cage is a is a it can be a fine actor, right? Oh yeah, he's a great actor, but he's just he's Nicholas he's Cage. A joke. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't even like he look at look at what his physically what he looks like. Have you ever seen him in any kind of? Have you ever seen him in anything where he wasn't Nicholas Cage? <laughs> <laughs> if it was, I've forgotten about it. Yeah, rightly so. Um, Vin Diesel. Good God. Lobbied, lobbied like super hard for it. I don't know that he was offered, but he loves this book. So he, he lobbied like super hard. Can you fucking imagine? Oh my God. Um, so after Stuart Townsend was, was cast and, and recast, then they went to Russell Crowe who had just done gladiator and he didn't want to get typecast because he thought it was a similar role, which I guess it, I don't know. Gladiator is one of the most overhyped movies I've, ever to me yeah. um and then obviously Stuart townsend got cast and then they finally got vigo mortensen because they saw him in a play and we're like yeah he, he'd be you know probably pretty good and he ended up being yeah. i think perfect casting for this i i mean if daniel day lewis had been in it you wouldn't have cared that vigo mortensen wasn't in it um that's that's probably you're probably right um but I think that they're kind of cut from the same cloth. I think that they're both take very understated and very like wide range of roles and they're both method actors. Um, yeah. So I think that they're, I don't, I don't want to say interchangeable because obviously Daniel J. Lewis is supposed to be like the greatest actor of our generation, which right. I would question that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that Viggo Mortensen is not far below him. Eh, I think he's, anyway, he's a great actor. Yeah, I think he's more, Vigo. he chooses, He he's more, and this is hard to say though, because Daniel Day Lewis is the same way. Neither one take very many roles. True. But I mean, Viggo Mortensen was gone out of Hollywood for like quite a while. Yeah. Um. So Boromir, <laughs> Liam Neeson was offered the role and said no. Can you fucking imagine that? No, nope, he seems way too old. Right. Uh, Bruce Willis wanted to be in the movie, but they wouldn't oh cast him. God, thank God. Uh. So Arwen, right? So who is Liv Tyler? Uh-huh. Uh, Uma, Th- Uma Thurman was cast and accepted oh, wow. the role, and then she uh, something happened where she she ended up not being able to take it. Hmm. Um, and then Helena Bottom Carter, Ooh, which I, right. I love Helena Bottom Carter. I just don't know. It's hard for me to think of her as anything than kind of like the age she is now. So yeah. I don't remember what she looked like then. I remember Fight Club, obviously. Um, so I, but I think she's a capable actress. I don't know if there's enough for her to do as in that role. I think I I can, I can get down with both those choices, okay. Uma or Helena Bonham Carter. Okay, but I mean, what? How about Liv Tyler, man? Coming from all those 
mid nineties Aerosmith videos to this role. That's pretty impressive. It is. She's also not asked to do a ton. Um, but I think she's good in it. And she looks is she the most elf like looking person in the whole yeah, movie? Probably besides maybe Orlando Bloom. Yeah. Yeah. Because Hugo Weaving doesn't look like an elf, it turns out. Uh, it turns out. He looks like Mr. Smith with a fucking wig on. And he looks angry always. He does. There's the scene where he there's the scene where he's explaining uh, you know, what has to happen with the ring and fucking Mary and Pippin run in, and he looks like mm. I'm gonna eat these little things for dinner. Yeah. He's so angry. He's he very angry. That's a, that's also one of the moments where the CGI in this looks really terrible. Yeah, there's a handful. We're gonna I'm gonna we're gonna yeah. get to that. Um, and then how, again, how do you say it? Is it, I can't say Kate Beckinsale or Kate Blanchett's uh, character name. Galadriel. I don't want to put the extra. Okay. Anyways, um, Lucy Lawless was cast. <laughs> oh boy. What? <laughs> she had to stop because she was, she had to pull out because she was pregnant. She was actually cast. She was actually cast. How That's do you go so from Xena, Warrior Princess, which that show is, oh my God, awful. Well, this is okay. So I looked up that Lawrence McElroy, whoever, yeah. um, as after you mentioned his name and Lucy Lawless. So they're both New Zealanders. Right. So okay, I can get with the local casting and and you know, um, that makes sense. Yeah. But come on, I mean, Kate Blanchett, Lucy Lawless, they're on a bit of a different plane. You think? <laughs> <laughs> Again, one maybe one of the greatest working actresses of all time. Uh huh. And Xena Warrior Princess. <laughs> I mean, props to Xena Warrior Princess. She made herself a nice paycheck. And uh, did wait, aren't you the guy who's like, I don't give a fuck about paychecks when we're talking about Big Bang Theory? I, I mean, come on, there are different rules for Big Bang Theory. I guess they're both shit TV, bro. True, but I agree with you. We should. I, we should Xena talk. Warrior Princess is a way better show than Big Bang Theory. I don't know. I can't. I've I never can't. seen Xena Warrior Princess, but I know that without a fact. I can't. Without a doubt. I cannot confirm nor deny. That it is okay. better because I don't know. <laughs> all right, so that's what I got. That's uh, that's all the casting uh, possibilities, and I think that every one of those misses for the most part. And I think mm-hmm. that this movie was essentially cast perfect and would not have worked if most of these people are cast. I agree. Uh, how many how many meals do the hobbits have per day? <laughs> do you know? And when he rattles them off, I think it was well, there's breakfast, second breakfast, eleven z's. There's like eight meals a day. Did you count? Yeah, it's breakfast, second breakfast, elevensies, uh, luncheon, afternoon tea, dinner, and supper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hobbits are great creatures. They're fantastic, unless they're walking up a uh, walking up a, a, a mountain and stuff. Right? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Next category. What do we got? I'm trying to find where we were. This is this is good. Uh, this is good. This is your show, buddy. It's good podcasting. Uh, <laughs> does this still work? So. Does this part of the movie still work? Or are there parts of the movie that still don't work? There's two things for me, okay? The diversity. Mm-hmm. All just all just white people living in Middle Earth? Yep. <laughs> yeah, nothing. That's, yeah, that was something that popped out to me too. I mean, you've got dwarves, elves, humans, hobbits, wizards, and then and orcs. And I think the only thing that could be considered non-white are the Urukai. You know, they've got almost like dreads for hair in some in some way. Um, because they live in yeah. mud, bro. <laughs> well, hey, uh, I, I understand why, <laughs> but yeah, all these different types of beings, these these uh, whatever these people right. creatures, and yeah, there's not there's nary a nary a brown skinned person there. Yeah, it's pretty uh, it's pretty evident. Like it's pretty, it stands out a lot when you watch it now. Yeah, I think it's a big miss. 
Um, I just don't, I don't understand. It's 2003. It wasn't that long, or 99 yeah, when they were filming it, 2001. It yeah. wasn't that long ago. So, um, and then I, and kind of what you and I mentioned, some of the special effects. So essentially anytime they're running and mm-hmm. they're running, not in like an actual environment, it's a digital environment. It looks terrible. Pretty much all the minds of Moria scene when they're running look yeah. really bad. Um, there's also the scene where Christopher Lee is spinning Ian McKellen. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah. It looks yeah. So, you and I could make that right now. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> um, yeah. But th- those are the only two gripes I have. Yeah. There's another scene. It's at the, with, uh, uh, Kate Blanchett's voiceover at the very beginning when she's explaining how we got to this point and the battle scene there when they're showing like the, you know, a wide view of the whole scene. It's very, very fake looking yeah you know as as the troops are moving or or whatever it is it just looks very bad that's like the second scene of the movie i know <laughs> or the second and, shot. And it's like the second yeah, shot of the movie truly and i remember even in like uh, i probably watched i don't watch this often um you know by design but i think i watched it it was probably a decade ago so not too long after the movie came out did it look dated to me that scene in particular um so it, it hasn't aged well. I'm, I'm hoping that they might. I don't know the whole process behind digitally remastering. I know that I heard that for the first time with Star Wars when they did the, you know, late '90s theater releases that we went to. Um, All right. I would like them to do some digital remastering with this because uh, it makes you know it's the only real downside of this movie. Yeah, see, I'm I'm fine with it. Like I I would rather them leave it alone because I don't want to get into. You look at some of the stuff that they've digitally remastered. I mean, you look at this, you know, let's go to the next category because this is actually what I want to talk about. So then we okay. go into this still works. Okay. So the, the parts of the movie that, that still hold up today. Um, I'll, I'll jump to the last thing. So it's the overall film, right? So I think that this film w- holds up better right now than The Hobbit from like five years mm. ago because yeah. The Hobbit is so CGI. Now it looks worse. It looks like the prequels from Star Wars. Oh boy. The CGI looks so bad that that it just takes you out of it. And it's only five years ago, where this movie's almost 20 years ago. And yeah. I would rather them not remaster parts of it because I don't want it to end up looking like that. That's a good point. Okay. Um, the other thing I have is the practical effects. Again, we mentioned both the Urukai and the orcs look so good. Even the mm-hmm. the the troll that comes in when they're in the mines of Moria, he still looks pretty good. Yeah, yeah, he does. Which I was shocked at. And I mean Weta, the company who did all of this is like now the Hollywood standard for all this is, shit. Is it really? Yeah. Yeah. For both the makeup and the special effects, practical effects, all that stuff. Um, and then we also talk, talked about already is the Nazgul or the ring wraiths. Uh, mm-hmm. They're probably, I mean, they're one of the most uh, iconic characters from this movie with the exception of Gollum. They're still mm-hmm. like, they look ridiculous how good they are. Yeah. Everything from the look, the sound, the horses look good the the lack of being able to see their face again I, the 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 sound effects are so good mm-hmm. and they're they're scary man they look fucking terrifying oh yeah all right you got anything you want to add to that no i mean i think it's still a perfect <laughs> it's a perfect movie um from start to finish basically and everything i mean it's nominated for 13 oscars like you said right and uh, it, it makes sense for all of them from the score to the costumes, to the cinematography, to performances. It has everything. Okay. So everything still works. Okay. Uh, your favorite category of the podcast, would this movie be <laughs> yeah. better if Gary Oldman was in it? And if so, who would he play? I mean, Gary Oldman is a phenomenal actor and he works in a lot of movies. He would work in a lot of movies. Sure. He wouldn't work. What was the last one we did? 
Uh, Christmas, Christmas vacation. vacation? Jesus Christ. Yeah, buddy, he wouldn't work in Christmas vacation. Uh, this one, this is more his wheelhouse, obviously. You know, so he, he can he can fit in a lot of movies. And there are, what I mean, what if he were Lord Elrond? Or, um, yeah, he, he'd, be, he'd be great in certain roles. So I have, one, I have one role in particular that I would love to see him have played, and that's uh, Christopher Lee's role. I was just gonna. I, I knew Sorry, that would be, yeah, yeah, I think right. I think he kills that because I don't think that's that's much of a stretch from like Bran Stoker's Dracula. You know what I'm saying? Like if you can play that, mm-hmm. you can play this. Um, googling, but googling Gary Oldman, Bram Stoker. You've never seen Let's him see in Dracula. I mean, I've, I saw that movie when I was like 11, yeah. so I haven't seen it in 20 years. I mean, the movie isn't great because of some of the performances like. Uh, Keanu Reeves and, and Winona Ryder, but his performance yeah. still holds up really well. Okay. And he has to play so many different versions of Dracula. Okay, he's, he's fantastic in that. Um, so yeah, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna push back on you a little bit with the Christmas Vacation. So, like I mentioned in the in, in the podcast with Damien about uh about the the movies we saw in December, he's in Friends. He's funny in the in the two episodes he's in in Friends. You're gonna tell me he can't be like a random character in fucking Christmas Vacation? What's his total screen time in in Friends? Minimal, but you, he couldn't have been Clark's boss in Christmas Vacation. <laughs> oh, I mean, are you going to waste him in that role? I mean, these are hypotheticals, dude. <laughs> it, <laughs> it's okay I for think, you to say no in this in these two. It's to say no, the movie wouldn't be better. It's fine. I mean, we already talked about Christmas Vacation last podcast. We're <laughs> yeah, but you asked specifically if he had ever done a comedy, and at that point, I couldn't okay. think of anything. And that's the only thing okay. I can think of it that he's that he was in that was comedic. Yeah, well, I mean, we've already mentioned the Beatles are overrated. Friends is overrated too. So, uh, you—that's fine. I'm not. At no point did I say Friends was the greatest thing ever, and it's certainly well, it's good, and it does not hold up well, though. Well, yeah, and but hanging your hat on Friends. You know, a two-episode Friends performance as being like the pinnacle of comedy performances, or or ep- uh, evidence of him being a good comedic actor. Buddy, I said neither. You asked if he had ever been in anything funny, and at that point, I couldn't think of it. And the only okay. thing that was considered a comedy that he was in was Friends that I can think of. Well, and no, I didn't say it was the pinnacle of, of comedic timing or performance, yeah. or that Friends was the greatest thing ever. Uh, but Friends is a juggernaut and continues to be a juggernaut. And yes. hence why Netflix just paid like two hundred and fifty million dollars to re yeah. to uh to keep the rights to that. Amen. <clears throat> the answer is no on Gary Oldman and Christmas Vacation. Okay. But in this one, absolutely. Right. Most memorable line. I was like, what are some good lines from this movie, right? Coming into it. Turns out there's a bunch. Yeah. Let's hear them. A wizard is never late, Frodo Baggins, nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to. Don't you want to just incorporate that into your life somehow? Like it's gonna, your boss. It's going to happen. It's going to yeah. happen. Yeah. Uh, this is the one I want to incorporate in my life. I don't know half of you half as well oh, as yeah. I should like, and I like half of you <laughs> of you half as well as you deserve. It yeah. makes me. I can't even say it because it makes me laugh because it's something that I will one hundred percent say in my life at some point because I don't really That's like. Good. It. <laughs> I've used it before. <laughs> it's good. good it works and 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 it confuses people just the same way it confuses people in the movie yeah they're like what the fuck and the only person that's laughing is frodo and gandalf right <laughs> uh obviously one ring to rule them all one ring to find them one ring to to uh bring them all and in the darkness bind them that was really rough to read mm. yeah. <laughs> uh are you frightened yes not frightened enough i know what mm. hunts you 
Um, yeah. One does not simply walk into Mordor, <laughs> uh-huh. which might uh-huh. be the whole best, the best of all of them, because you have to have your fingers like put right. together. <laughs> um, full of a toque, throw yourself in next time to rid yourself. Or rid, fuck, I can't talk. Full of a toque, throw yourself in next time to rid us of your stupidity. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's me, man. It's accurate though, right? Gandalf Gandalf does not like Mary. No. <laughs> he makes that clear. He says he's going to slam his head into the wall until the wall the door opens. <laughs> he literally tells him that. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Hey, you got to take extreme measures. Yeah. Uh, you shall not pass. Mm-hmm. but I'm not going to yell it. And Good. then something that I forgot was a line that I really, really liked is one of the, I think it's the last thing that Aragorn says or Aragorn. Mm-hmm. Uh, we travel light. Let's hunt some orc. Yeah. And I just think it's, a, it's a kind of a, like a kick-ass line that he says. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Um, so that's all I got. What do you got? I like that last line you mentioned. Um, and that I remember just being pumped. That's what got me so excited to keep watching the movie. When we, when I first watched it, it's like, all right, this is, you know, this has just begun. Let's watch six more hours of movie. Um, yeah, that's a great one. There were uh, I like "Fly You Fools" um, as Gandalf lets go of the bridge and plunges into the depths of Moria. Um, then uh, let's see. I liked not necessarily a great line, but one that had impact for me watching was uh, when Frodo after. Gandalf explains the ring and what what needs to happen. You know, he's terrified, and then he says, "What must I do?" So he goes from scared little hobbit to this brave person who you know, this brave hobbit who we come to love over the next you know the rest of the movie and the series. So I like that one. And then uh, <laughs> one that I think would work well for parents of little kids is when Saruman says, "Your love of the halflings." Oh, no, no, shit. I'm sorry. I misread it. But I liked it. Uh, it's still good. He says, your love of the halfling's leaf has clearly slowed your mind. So if you know somebody who smokes a lot of weed, <laughs> you can say, you know, your love of the halfling's leaf has clearly slowed your mind. I do. I do know a few yeah. of those. But definitely yeah. not talk about your kids. Hopefully. Well, I, okay, yeah, I, I, not smoking a doobie in the back right now, right? He might be. He's, he's unattended currently. <laughs> um but anyway, yeah, that was good. I've, I've read it just now as your love of the halflings has clearly sold your mind, right. which, which can work for a parent. <laughs> um, and then uh, I like the It Comes in Pints line from Pippin. It was, it was pretty yeah. funny. When it... You've had a whole half already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fucking Sam, dude. Biggest wet blanket in any movie ever. Like he's down for yeah. his friends, but he's just like, he's that one guy who's just, it's too much, man. Like take it down a notch, Sam Wise. No kidding. He, sh- he should have been in your... Uh one of your categories for worst performance or no, something. He doesn't give a bad performance. He's just written that way. He's just an annoying character. <laughs> maybe, maybe one of your characters uh, categories for a future podcast should be, um, you know, the same way as games you award for biggest wet blanket. I might, you know, we might take the worst performance out and add that. I like it. Okay. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll credit you every time, little fella. Thanks. Did buddy. you ever get compared to a hobbit? I haven't. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Except by you. Not the feet. You got little tiny Not feet. The feet. Yeah, I can walk up snow, <laughs> but I am as brave as a hobbit. But you can only be out in making snowballs in Tucson, Arizona for 37 seconds, and then your hands are too cold. <laughs> That's true. Um, all right. So whose movie is this? Like, who do you associate this movie with at the end of the day? Uh, I think it's kind of a tie between Gandalf and, and Frodo. Um Yeah, that's my answer. I think I think the other two. I was thinking about the series as a whole, and to me, it's it's pretty much 
for me because I like the performance best right. is Gollum. Um, so I almost uh, think it's you know it's Gollum's series for me almost just because he's he's such a huge part. But um, but he's not in know. this movie. Like I, I, I know mean, it's, it's hard. But I'm saying it's hard to say yeah. that the whole trilogy yeah. is about him when essentially he's not even in like the first movie. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Okay, I withdraw that statement. I I would say for me it comes down to three different people or characters, right? So it's Frodo because essentially the movie's about the whole the whole story is about Frodo. Yeah. The first movie's heavily, you know, about Frodo, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aragorn, because mm-hmm. again, the first movie you learn a lot about him, but he's just only in, you know, what about sixty percent of the movie because he doesn't come in until yeah. till well into almost half of it. Yeah. But for me, the person this movie is Peter Jackson, the director, because mm-hmm. they, people had tried to adapt Lord of the Rings for years, whether it was yeah. like an animated uh, movies or people trying to make like the Beatles trying to make live action versions. Nobody could do it. And it took this guy who's relative unknown at this point, like an indie director who loved, yeah. loves, love Lord of the Rings to make this what it is. And it's a full fledged franchise juggernaut now. Right. So I think it's him. I think it's Peter Jackson. Yeah, I can see that. Um, he is a hero in the world because of what he did with this. He is a saint. <laughs> Because he gave us Lord of the Rings. Um, did he get saint? Yeah. Did he get sainthood yet? I don't know, man. That's not only happened in Britain. Like Mother Teresa. Shit, Mother Teresa. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. Next category. <laughs> what do you wish there was more of? So for me, it's two things. I wish I had more backstory with Gandalf, which then you end up getting in the Hobbit, obviously, a little bit, mm-hmm. and Aragorn's backstory. Like mm. I just want to know. What the dude like? He's a ranger. He's out in the out in the middle of nowhere. Like he's given up his his opportunity to be king. Like he's in love with with an elf an elvish woman who's mm-hmm. giving her giving him her what is it? Like, I don't know what you what you consider it, but it's essentially her chance to be um immortal. Mortal, yeah, yeah. She's she's becoming mortal to be with him, right? Like I want to yeah. know what this dude's been like. What's he doing? Because he grew up with the elves, right? His mom brought him there. Like I want to know his backstory, which you don't get in the Hobbit either. Yeah, um, that's a good point. But for me, I, I want more Gollum. Do you? Because you kind of get a little bit of that again in The Hobbit a little bit, and you get a little bit of it in Return of the King. Yeah, I mean, you get a lot of it in the next two movies and some. You see him quite a bit in The Hobbit, right. the first Hobbit movie. But, I mean, he's so good. That's Andy true. Circus is just phenomenal. So, um, And I, I had forgotten, because it had been a number of years since I'd watched this, that he's barely in this one at all. So... Um, I was excited to see him pop up, and then as you know the movie was going, I was like, "Oh yeah, shit, he doesn't come up in this one much at all." So, um, I want more Gollum all the time, okay. every day of my life. <laughs> every day, yeah. If they made a ser- if they want to do Lord of the Rings, Amazon, um, I want a Gollum series and how he goes from being who he was, you know, Smeagol, to. To what he, what he, what he was. He's fucking out there murdering his friend because his friend found the, the the ring. Isn't that such a the way they start Return of the King? That's so fucking good. It was so good, dude. I remember yeah. vividly being like, "The fuck am I watching? Like, what is yeah. this? Did I, yeah. did I walk into the wrong movie?" It's so good. It's so good. And you're like, oh, "Okay, that I don't." At that point, I don't know that a lot of people even realize that's Andy Serkis, who's the yeah. dude, you know, who who plays. Gollum in the mocap, mm-hmm. but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so that was such an original way to start because yeah. that's that's all Peter Jackson. That's not in the books at all. 
Oh, really? Smart. Yeah. Okay. So unless you have anything you'd, you want to add, which I think we touched on everything. That's all I got, man, except you are known to walk into the wrong theater with your Clint Eastwood animation. Dude, I thought it, I was locked in. I thought, <laughs> I thought it was, I thought it was looked like good animation. Hey, <laughs> it, that would be good animation. <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, last question of the podcast, you know, Damien's least favorite question ever. Uh, Fellowship of the Ring, underrated, overrated, or properly rated? Um, I want to say it's properly rated. Okay. But my, and you hold the same opinion, my opinion that this is the best movie of the series, but people generally think it's not as good as Return of the King, and it won a fraction of the Oscars that Return of the King won. Um, makes me think it might be a little underrated. And I know that they saved all the Oscars for, you know, they didn't want to give the same series all the Oscars three straight years, um, you know, three years in a row. So that uh, the Oscar count might not be anything to really take to heart. But uh, I think it's a little bit underrated just based on people don't think it is as good as Return of the King. What do you think? Uh, I, I would agree with everything you just said. I, I know plenty of people who who love this trilogy and will say that this is the worst one of them because the they will say it's boring, um, oh which, you know, again, those they're just wrong. Yeah. Um, they're the same people who want to see, like, they just want to see explosions and yeah. a bunch of, you know, they want to hear a bunch of people say, you know, say fuck a bunch and yeah. things explode and arms get cut off. Um, they're not really into the nuance of, of much. Um, I think this is, it's it's by far... I think it's really underrated because of, of what people think with the trilogy. I also think that there are a ton of people now who don't appreciate these films for what they were. Um, mm-hmm. They were like a massive scale, man. They were, they oh, were yeah. massive at the time. And again, now you have people who love game of Thrones and they forget mm-hmm. about how good Lord of the Rings is. And I think Lord of the Rings really paved the way for, for things like game of Thrones. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I just think it's, I think it's very, very underrated. Uh, mm-hmm. But what do I know? What do you know? Not much. Would you, is there, can you imagine, or is there in existence a trilogy of movies that you would sit and watch three hours of each movie for? Yeah. Is this the only one? This, this, this is one. Um, Another one that I've always wanted to do and I've never done is I want to watch all of the Potter movies, like back to back to back. I almost wish that they would just be all put together so I didn't have to like interchange discs or Uh, whatever. Right. Um, This is one. Star Wars is one, but I would almost rather watch this trilogy as a whole rather than Star Wars as a whole. But I mean, the three, you know, each movie being three hours. Uh, yeah, Potter. Although not all those movies are three hours. They're pushing it. Yeah. The later ones are, especially um, the first two. No, the first two are even like well over two and a half hours. So they're 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 really? they're getting there. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, Might be. But yeah the, i mean this would probably be it but the problem is i really don't enjoy the third one very much i like it but i don't love yeah. it I, I think i have to go back and watch the third one again because i know every the ending is rough because the ending is so much different in in the in the book um mm-hmm. they go back to hobbiton and and worm tongue has gone to hobbiton and is like taken over and is like eating hobbits and oh essentially the hobbits have to fight their way through like a dictator for a chapter to like regain Hobbiton. Interesting. Yeah. It's, it's a really cool kind of like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Um, which I understand they, that really doesn't, I guess, fit within the movie. Um, Cause it is like a kind of a knee jerk, almost like what the fuck just happened. 
Yeah. Um, but I just don't enjoy the the end of Return of the King that much. Okay. But I really, as the movies go on, I think my favorite character is Legolas. And yeah. I think it would be Legolas and Gollum. But I love the comedy with, with Legolas and Gimli, especially in the second one where they're, uh, they're comparing like the best kills and like who has the right. most kills and they're uh-huh. both super charming and funny and, and enjoyable together. And, and their relationship is, is really a highlight of the movie to me. Yeah. They play or, off each other. Well yeah, to the trilogy. Yep. All right, buddy. Unless you got anything what's else. Ne- no, man. What, uh, what's next on the podcast list? Let's hear it. Let's tell viewers what they can, or listeners, what they can expect for me, next week. For me and you. I don't know for anybody. Well, here's the thing. So we're doing a bunch of different stuff, right? I don't know when we're going to post this one, so I can't tell you exactly what's next week. I know with you and I, what do we have in the, in, we've talked about, we've talked about doing some Mike, Mike Myers stuff. So we mentioned, uh, um, so I married an ax murder, which I think is probably going to be the next one. We've talked about some Austin power stuff. We've talked about princess bride, um, something that we're going to start doing. And I know that you may or may not be a part of it. I'm not sure yet. Cause I don't know if you have the time is we're going to continue the, the every month doing uh, what movies we watched. And then we're also going to be doing once a month, uh, like kind of what you're into. So we can talk about, you know, what TV shows you're watching or what, what video games you're playing, or like if you're going to some conventions, just kind of the whole essence of pop culture, which is really what I want this podcast to turn into, not just so much movie driven, but also just kind of pop culture. Cause those are all things that I, I very much enjoy. Um, nice. I know, you know, I know you're, you're huge into baseball and, and Rob is huge into like collecting shit and Damien's into like photography. And, you know, so I, I have so many different friends that are into different stuff and I want to be able to figure out how to bring that into, into the podcast. Um, That'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just constantly, you know, constantly, you guys all have good recommendations, just constantly trying to figure out what we can do next. Um, But I think that, you know, something that, that Damien and I are going to be recording today that's actually coming out before this podcast is, is our favorite movie from, from 2018, which I'm super excited about. Um, so yeah, we just have a bunch of different stuff already recorded that I'm I'm pretty happy about. That'll be good. And maybe next time we can talk about the movie I watched last night. Which is? Taylor Swift Bad Reputation uh, concert. <laughs> I don't think that's going to make the cut, bro. <laughs> well, we can talk about it and then we can jump off a cliff. And, and just... okay. okay, let's just spend a minute. Who? Why? Who and Why? <laughs> a good question. Those are the questions I want answers to. Um, I had heard that it was really great production. You know, the production value of it all was it was really it was really well done, hmm. and it kind of was. And we didn't watch it all. We watched like maybe what the equivalent of like six songs. Hmm. Um, yeah, Taylor Swift is not my favorite, okay. but I I understand the appeal on some level. Sure. As a you know, as a as an artist, you know, some of her songs are you know, they're catchy. There's there's some value to catchy songs. Um, my boss loves Taylor Swift and she told me that it was, uh, a great concert slash documentary slash movie, whatever. It's actually just a concert, it's not a documentary. So, so your boss, who was a big fan of Taylor Swift told you it was really good. Shocking. <laughs> I know. Uh, right. It's 2019. Everything should be good production value. Uh, yeah, you wanted to, but you hey, want... hey, you just talked about Aquaman. Oh God. Is that good production value? So don't let the the, the sure. uh, modern times root fool you. You know what I just watched last night, Tyler? So you watched Taylor Swift. What's it called? Yeah. Bad Reputation. Bad Reputation. Tour. I watched a, a documentary called "Won't You Be My Neighbor." Oh man, uh, which I've heard amazing things. It's, yeah, it's yeah. You need a little like pick me up in life, and you want to you want to feel like a little 
like you need to do more with your life and be a little bit more of a positive person, watch that movie. So okay. I watched something that probably will be nominated for Academy Award <laughs> and you watched hey. Taylor Swift. Hey, she, uh, nope. Yeah. <laughs> Wherever you're going with she, it. Nope. Listen, here's, here's what we'll end this on. Taylor Swift has had more of a cultural impact than Fred Rogers. That's inaccurate. I know it is very inaccurate, <laughs> but the sad thing is there are millions of people who believe it more than millions. And there's probably as many people who will say, who the hell is Fred, Ro- Fred Rogers. So what a world, what a world. You know what world that is? That's the world where Vin Diesel is Aragorn. I want, I kind of want to be in that world though. Like I want to, <laughs> I want to see that movie. <laughs> Only so you can stab yourself in the eyes. I want to see the movie that fucking Lucy Lawless, Vin Diesel <laughs> and Sean Connery are all cast in. Oh, I want to say, and I want Kevin Hart to be one of the, the, the fucking hobbits. <laughs> might as well, well, the rock might as well be in this movie too. Put them all in, put them in. Let's do it. And then the Beatles, we can play the Beatles as a soundtrack and just hate ourselves. Mediocre at best. Yes. All right, buddy. I appreciate you being on. This was fun. We'll do it again. All right. Sounds good. All right, buddy. We should probably end this recording. As always, guys, I want to thank you for listening. Thanks to Tyler for being on. Can't wait to do Two Towers and Return of the King. If you guys could give us a like, review, rate, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, that would be amazing. Also give us a follow on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at The Morning Geekdom, and we will see you next week. Shout out to Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman.